Our text this evening will be read from St. Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. That's St. Luke 15, 11 through 24. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And, And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country and he sent him into his field to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will rise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this is my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they begin to be merry. This is probably one of the the texts that probably is preached on more often than any other text in the Bible. But we see a, a young man here that was searching for something. He was lost. And he, he felt like there might be something in the world that he was missing out on. What does it mean to search for something? It means you have a, intentions or in, you're intending to find out the truth. This lost son here. He was looking for something he believed to be the truth. You know, I don't think he ever realized how good he had it at home till he wasn't at home anymore. You know, we often we hear that it is better to be proactive than reactive. We know that being proactive is preventing potential problems or acting before problems actually happen. I think as a, as a Christian, we need to be proactive. I know there are things that we can't prevent. Trials will still come our way, but we have a heavenly father that will help us. I think if you're looking at it from a proactive standpoint, we want to make sure that we are praying daily. We want to make sure that every single day we read our Bible. We want to make sure that we have that relationship with the Lord, that we are close to 
him. I was thinking, what would be a reactive Christian? And, of course, being reactive is reacting to the past rather than anticipating the future. That would be somebody who's not reading their Bible, maybe not praying. And I think the sad part is not checking in with the Lord every single day. It is important for us as Christians to check in with the Lord every single day. You know, there's a verse in Matthew 6.33, and it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We want to make sure that we seek that kingdom of God. We want to make sure we seek his righteousness. That is being proactive in the gospel. But we see here, and it speaks of a a young man, speaks of his dad, speaks of the two sons. And we see here that the youngest son, he wanted his inheritance before his dad even died. I would say that that's probably pretty arrogant to believe that he should receive his inheritance even before his father died. We know just after receiving his his inheritance, he left his father, and it said that he moved to a far distant land. And it said that he wasted all his money on worthless things. You know, when, when people often try to run from God, they often try to get as far as they can away from God. They find themselves in that distant land. And over time, it just seems like they waste all the things that the Lord had ever gave them. It says here that this young man, soon he ran out of money. There was a great famine that swept over the land, and he began to starve. He began to be hungry. I don't just think he was physically hungry. He was spiritually drained. He needed the Lord very, very bad. Somehow, some way, he persuaded a farmer to give him a job feeding pigs. We know for a Jewish boy to feed pigs, this would have been very humbling. And it said that nobody gave him anything. You could say at this point, he had hit rock bottom. Often that is where sin takes you. You leave a good thing by having a relationship with the Lord. You're trying to just start out having a good time. And before you know it, you're feeding the pigs and you have nothing left. But I like this part. It says he finally came to his senses. And when he came to his senses, he headed back towards home. That's a good place to head back towards You know, I'm thankful that we have these altars. You know, when you get away from God, these altars, they remind us to pray. pray, And it brings us back to the Lord. And when it says that when his father saw him coming away off, he ran, his father ran towards his son with compassion and with love. His dad was so happy to see him. Just the way the Lord welcomes us. He told his servant to bring him the finest robe. He put a 
ring on his finger, and he got him shoes for his feet. And they threw a big party for his son for coming home. He says he was lost, but now he is found. You know, we can learn a lot from this parable of the lost son. You know, he was searching for a good time. The problem is he was searching for a good time in the wrong place. Recently, I, uh, I lost my uh, car keys. The only problem is I, I thought I lost them inside the car. I went to uh, lock my car and I realized I didn't have my car keys. So I went and I started to search in my car thinking that they must have fell somewhere in between the seat. After searching and searching for these car keys, at one point I even thought that maybe Ezra was playing a joke on me and took these keys. I thought it was impossible to unlock the car, get into the car, it's, a, it's more just, it's not a key key, but it's, the car itself is a push button car. And I thought at one point that Ezra must have taken those keys. And I searched and I searched and could not find those car keys. And like I said, I thought it was impossible that they could have fallen, out, fallen outside. So finally, I, I guess you would say I came to my senses and I thought to myself, wait, if the keys are actually in the car, if I push the button, the car will turn on. So I went and I pushed the button and the, the little dashboard thing said it did not recognize or could not find my key. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. How did the key get so lost? So I decided that as I was thinking there, I, I realized that I had taken some stuff from the car and put it into the house. But I knew there was no way the keys could be in those things. But I decided last minute, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go check those things. I had a pair of shoes that were sitting on the passenger side on the floor. You know, when I went in and I started the search, I realized those keys, they were in those shoes. I don't know how the key fell off where it fell off and fell into those shoes, but the whole time I was searching in the wrong place. And sometimes spiritually, we can be searching in the wrong place. You know, we're all used to searching for things daily. We always spend a lot of time searching. But, you know, we want to make sure that we spend the time searching for the right things. And we also want to make sure we spend time searching in the right place. You know, there's something called the uh, streetlight effect. This is a story that it says it comes in many forms. It's from the... Uh, around the 1920s. It, said, it talks about a man, says this man was looking for his car keys under a street light. A cop comes up and asks him what he's doing. He says, I am looking for my car keys. The cop asks him, is this where you dropped them? The man answers, no, but this is the only place I can see. We know that's quite silly to be looking somewhere where your keys aren't even at. But I think sometimes we've all done this maybe in our own lives. We want something so bad that we try to search out answers in the wrong place. Sometimes it's easier to search for certain things. It's easier to take the easy path. Sometimes even searching in the wrong place may even see, seem like the clearer route. Satan is great at making things seem a lot clearer 
than they actually are. He often doesn't tell the whole story. I often say that Satan, he never tells the end of the story. He only tells you the beginning. The beginning shows the good times, but he never tells you the end of the story. When we look at the uh, prodigal son here, at first he was having a good time, but by the end he wasn't having such a good time. You know, we see an example of searching in the wrong place in John 21, verses 1 through 6. This is when Jesus appears to the seven disciples. And we see it talks first. We see Peter here and Peter says, I'm go fishing. And it says that the other six disciples followed him, it says that they entered into a boat and they fished all night and they caught nothing. And Jesus asked them from the seashore, did you catch anything? You know, as a as a kid, I used to go salmon fishing with my dad quite a bit. And quite often when you would get to the boat dock, other fishermen would ask you, did you catch anything? And it was always nice to be able to say, yes, we caught something. But it was always disappointing when you would have to ask, say, we didn't catch anything. And this is how where they were at. They hadn't caught anything all night. And we see here that Jesus told them to throw their nets on the right hand side of the boat. I'm not sure at what point here they realized that this was the Lord, but I do know they obeyed and they threw their nets in the correct place. And they says that they caught 153 fish. It was so many fish that their nets began to break. The whole time they were just fishing in the wrong place. When Jesus told them to fish in the correct place, they caught fish. You know, this reminds me of a, uh, a fish finder. Like I said, I did a lot of fishing as a kid with my dad. And we would often, when we would go fish at a lake, long before we had ever like put our poles in the, in the water, we would troll around the, the, the lake and we would look for fish before we would actually start fishing. Because you could fish all day in a lake and catch absolutely nothing. It makes you a lot more successful at fishing if you actually put your pole or your lure in the right place where the fish are at. You know, we want to make sure spiritually that we are in the right place, searching the right thing. And we know that is being close to the Lord and the Lord is looking out for us. We read this in John eight twelve. It says, then he spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that falleth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life. You know, we want to be in that light of the Lord. We know the closer that we are to God, we are searching in the right place. We are seeking the right place. But what, sometimes, we I, the question I ask here, how do we seek good advice? And sometimes people even seek bad advice. You know, I, I sometimes, I've seen this through my throughout my own life, Sometimes maybe people spiritually are starting to doubt and maybe not where they should be with the Lord. And often they will seek bad advice. They will often find those who are also spiritually struggling. And maybe just because they feel like that person can relate with them. You know, I, I wrote this down thinking this would be, this would be like seeking advice from a, a struggling Christian would be like seeking Financial advice from somebody who is broke and wasted all, all their money 
on foolish things. This would be like seeking advice from the prodigal son. At first, he, he had a lot of money. By the end, he had no money. Nobody would have seeked his advice. He wouldn't have been able to give you any financial advice. We want to be careful as Christians that we seek good advice. We go to those who are looking out for us and those that will help us to do the right thing. You know, there's something that uh, people, I looked up some of the things that people seek or search more often than anything else. And they said one of the top things, people seek after money. We know that in 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through many sorrows. We know there, there is nothing wrong with money, but we know it is the love of money. We even uh, One of the saddest stories that we see in the Bible of somebody who was seeking after money was Judas Iscariot. We know that he betrayed Jesus for only 30 pieces of silver. We know he did this by kissing Jesus and addressing him as rabbi. You know, when when Judas heard that Jesus was going to be crucified, he even at one point tried to return the money. But you know what? It was a sad ending to that story. We know that he committed suicide by hanging But we see there's an example of somebody that was seeking money. He was willing to betray Jesus for only 30 pieces of silver. How often and how sad when we see people giving what the Lord has done for them for so little. The the devil often paints a a big picture like you're going to get something, but often you just sell out for so little. We see it in Matthew verse Matthew six twenty one. For your treasure is there, where your heart also be. You know, in, in closing tonight, we know that the father here in the, the parable of the prodigal son this represents Christ. We know that his love and Christ's love for us. You know, it also here it speaks of the forgiveness. You know, Jesus, he loves us. And you know what? Jesus always wants to forgive us. I had read this a long time ago, and I just recently came came by it again reading something. It says, Abraham Lincoln was asked how he was going to treat the rebellious Southerners after the Civil War. He answered, I will treat, I will treat them as if they had never been away. You know what? That is what the Lord will do for us. He will truly forgive us. He will be so thankful. He is like that father to the prodigal son. You know, sometimes we can find ourselves being around negative people. You know, sometimes neg- negative people can make a, sec- make a second guess the important decisions that we need to make. Worse, sometimes negative people can also take us down. We want to make sure that we don't find ourselves listening to negative people. We want to make sure that we listen to positive people that are spiritually sound and that can help us draw closer to him. And one last, last, two last verse here in Psalms 139, 23 through 24 says, Search me, O God, and how my heart try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me to ever.
everlasting. You know, that's the heart we want to have. We want the Lord to search our heart tonight. If we are here and we're not where the Lord wants us to be, this is a good opportunity. Once again, we have the opportunity to come to these altars. We have the opportunity to pray. We know the Lord will meet us at these altars. We're going to sing page 181 and the altars are open.